0: You're listening to The Americans for Truth Hour with your host Peter LaBarbera. Each week you'll hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war. People who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Americans for Truth Hour will help you to stay informed and engaged on the side of life, marriage and the God-ordained family. Please stand with us as we work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill, and once again, one nation under God. And now, here's Peter LaBarbara.
1: Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Americans for Truth Hour. Um, Americans for Truth about homosexuality is a conservative group on the other side of the, the gay debate, which is everywhere it seems these days. And uh, we are trying to provide information that the mainstream media uh, does not does not cover on this issue. And we are. In the last, uh, uh, we've we've been interviewing Scott Lively now. I think this is our fifth one. Scott, Scott, are you there?
2: It is. I'm here. <laughs> that is our fifth one.
1: <laughs> and we we rarely do that, but uh, I wanted to give Scott a lot of time because uh, I don't think Scott gets his due. Let me try to summarize his uh, well, at least the the part about this this debate uh, relevant to this debate. Scott uh, began his career uh, on this issue working for the Oregon Citizens Alliance, which is a conservative group in Oregon. He fought for uh, ballot initiatives, which uh, sought to um, uh, basically uh, make uh, the promotion of homosexual— one of them was making the promotion of homosexual behavior— um, was it unconstitutional in Oregon, Scott? That's
2: right. Yeah, we were—we had a, a measure that uh, would have amended the state constitution and stopped the agenda completely.
1: Right, and uh, so so that was that was over twenty years ago now. Uh,
2: that was 1990. Well, we actually filed that, that bell measure in 1991.
1: Okay. So 20 years ago. Um, and uh, Scott has also written uh, several books. One of them is called uh, how to recruit proof your child uh, about the promotion of homosexuality in schools and how to combat that. Scott wrote the pink swats about homosexual influence in the Nazi party, uh, which we've already talked about on, on one of the segments. And now, uh he's uh trying to work on re-christianizing a, a a city in Springfield, Massachusetts. He's a pastor. Uh Scott also has his law degree. Uh so you're you're a man of many talents but uh, something that's happened along the way because you were so committed to the homosexual fight, Scott, and I respect you for that. That's why we gave you our award, Americans for Truth, the Truth Teller Award for 2011. Uh, you you also became uh, sort of a punching bag, not just for the the homosexual activist lobby, which is you could expect, but also for sometimes for the you know uh, the the people in the middle and the and sort of the, sort of the left wing evangelicals, people like Warren Throckmorton, who's a professor at Grove City College. Uh, you had you had other people attacking you, and so uh, and and you're not really one to spend a lot of time defending yourself, and so. Uh, you know that that was a sort of a byproduct of your heavy involvement in this issue.
2: That's true. Yeah, it's, uh the well the the other side has been looking for a new symbol to attack. Uh, really, since Gary Falwell died, uh, he was really the last you know big uh, boogeyman that they had. They still will go after Pat Robertson a little bit, but uh, he doesn't address the issue very often. Uh, and. Uh, and I think because of my work in Uganda and, and some of the things that have been misrepresented about that, I've become the new boogeyman. Uh, and so the attacks have been really hot and heavy uh, over especially the last year. Yeah. Uh, so in the early days, it was really the attacks were, were, were more at the state level because I was in Oregon. I wasn't known outside the state and you know the focus was, was there. And then during the years that I was uh, working as an attorney and running the Pro Family Law Center, they they didn't really dare to attack me much at that point because I was actively running uh, a public interest law firm and a private uh, law partnership. Uh, but, but since then, since I've gone back to being a missionary and I now you know have an international ministry, now the attacks are coming uh, from every quarter, both nationally and internationally.
1: Yeah, and, and you. So
2: I become the new boogeyman.
1: And one thing I learned from your your visit here is that you really haven't, uh, you know, like on these Uganda charges. And Scott's been charged with promote, basically, fomenting anti homosexual violence. And we've talked about that. So I don't want to spend uh, much time today on it. By the way, we're pre taping. It's it's uh, November thirtieth, and this show will air in a few days. Uh, but uh, you really haven't uh, spent a lot of time defending yourself, because if you got involved in that, you, that could be all you do. You know, that's the problem with the, the incessant uh, homosexualist attacks.
2: And especially it's a problem with the Internet, because you can have, you know, and, and it's the problem with this particular adversary, because they have a single-minded network. Uh, you know, these are people who have, really don't have anything else going on in their lives except their involvement in the homosexual community. And, and this lifestyle, They're, and their, their lives are built around politics uh, and uh, pleasure. And, and so that's why they, when they have a gay pride parade in, in a major city, for example, that's why 300,000 people will show up. It's because the, you know, wherever they are in the, in the country, uh, they'll just jump on a plane and go because that's the next party. And, it, and, it's, and it's not just a party. It's also an opportunity to advance their agenda at the same time. And uh, maybe the best example of that is uh, Rio de Janeiro uh, in Brazil, that uh, they were, for years, they had been using that as sort of like, this is their annual big vacation, is to go down for the gay bribe parade in Rio. And the, and it was so successful in terms of the numbers of people that they brought in there and the amount of influence that they could have that they virtually took over the government through probably, you know, bribery. Uh but Brazil which it was at one point a very conservative country uh, has now become the most I'd say it's probably the most pro homosexual country in the world even even more than Sweden uh, in just in terms of, sort of the policies that put for it. not the people because a, a good number good percentage of the people are still strongly pro family yeah they
1: moved on they've moved, the on, the, they've moved on the hate speech uh, hate speech legislation and whenever a government be, gets behind uh, labeling opposition to homosexuality as hate speech. That's a that's a top tier country in terms of one that's sold out to the the homosexual agenda.
2: Right. Well, they, of course, you know our friend Julio had to to leave with his family from Brazil because they were pursuing him because he was the uh,
1: the leading he was the leading pro family representative uh, in that country. Uh, you're talking about Julio Severo. And uh, uh Scott are you there still? And we lost Scott for a second there but Scott you're back. Yes. Okay, we were talking about uh Julio Severo who's uh, a pro-family hero who's been fighting to uh educate people across the world about the homosexualist agenda. Uh but Scott I want to talk about your um your your book. Um your late actually it's it's a textbook as it were. Uh, about how to confront and respond and understand the homosexual, the pro-homosexual issue. It's called Redeeming the Rainbow, a Christian Response to the Gay Agenda. And yep. it, it reminds me, Scott, there are a lot of people, especially Christians, who are upset that the rainbow, you know, the rainbow got a- appropriated by homosexual activists to use to promote homosexuality.
2: That's right. It's, it's God's symbol. It's his promise not to flood, destroy the earth again by flood. And so that uh, that for them to adopt that as their symbol is a, is a double insult. Uh, they not only took something that's beautiful and, and have besmirched it, but they've taken something that was given to us by God and have used it to uh, to try to sanitize something that God has condemned.
1: So. And Scott, you're on your cell phone, so don't move. It, it, it's coming a little. You're coming in a little bit quirky, but. Uh... We can still hear you. So let's, let, let's talk about this. Uh, it's called A Christian Response to the Gay Agenda. Scott, is this the summation of your work for, for these 20-odd years on, on this issue?
2: It is. Well, at the time that I wrote this book, I actually, this is the uh, it, it's my doctoral thesis for my THD uh, was, uh, was the larger work that I reworked in order to produce this book. And my career has been focused on standing up for biblical truth in the face of the homosexual movement's attempt to really homosexualize society. And so uh, after 20 years of dealing with the issue, uh, I know more about this than almost anybody in the world does. Like you, you, Peter, maybe a handful of our friends are, are the few that I think uh, have an understanding that's, that's comparable, uh, but, you know, for, t- for 20 years has been my primary ministry emphasis Earned a law degree and a PhD along the way, and and I wanted to put all that information in one place for people who really don't understand the issue that well. So I put really everything that I know. I used all the skills that I've I've developed over the years and and how to present a case. And that's really I used you know analytical reasoning and and uh, all the skills that you learn as an attorney. Uh, I put all those things in trying to. Pre- Present a very easy to understand uh, and systematic presentation of the truth from a pro-family perspective.
1: Uh, Scott, they, how many they, how many people yeah. have uh, you, you're offering this book? And this is another thing about you, Scott, is you're, you're sort of unique. You're not you're just uh, one of a kind. You, you've offered this book free on your website, which is defendthefamily.com, folks. So uh, you know, get this book, download it. Um, uh, yeah, there
2: been thousands. There, there are thousands of copies of this that have been downloaded.
1: Wonderful. Uh, That's great news, and, uh, and we, we need to promote it better at Americans for Truth. It's it's wonderful. I have not finished it, I must confess, but uh, I still haven't finished all, all your books. I was looking for... Uh Uh, the one I described, uh, uh, how to recruit-proof your child. Seven
2: (laughs) Steps to Recruit-Proof Your Child, yes. Yes.
1: Seven seven Steps to Recruit-Proof Your Child. And, Scott, that's a whole other issue which I want to touch on today, this idea of recruitment, because you mentioned the word recruit and and homosexuality, and you get attacked. But 45 seconds, what makes this work unique in the terms of the pro-family approach towards this issue?
2: Well, just in what the Lord has shown me over these years. Uh, I have had a unique position in this culture war, and uh, the observations that I've had, the, the specific information that I've gathered is uh, other people just don't have it. Right. Frankly, that when you when you look at the uh, across the uh, the countryside and you and listen to people that uh, that are identified as pro-family, no one is saying anything except marriage should be between a man and a woman.
1: Yeah, and all we've...
2: of the rest of our of, the, of our arguments.
1: Uh, are lost. Right. Uh, now hold on right there, Scott. We'll come right back with Scott Lively of the Defend the Family International. Welcome back to Americans for Truth Hour. I'm Pete LaBarbera, president of Americans for Truth about homosexuality. Our website is americansfortruth.org or .com. Uh, you can hear the entire interview with Scott Lively on the, well, you'll get the, the, some of the past segments. Just go to the Americans for Truth page and hit uh, on the right side, Americans for Truth Hour, there's an icon there. Just hit that, and you can go back and listen to this interview. Also, you can download the book we're talking about, the the textbook, as it were, for, uh, written by Scott Lively called Redeeming the Rainbow, A Christian Response to the Quote-Unquote Gay Agenda, and that's at defendthefamily.com. Scott, is it pretty easy to do up there to download the book?
2: Yeah, you just go on the mm-hmm. site, right on the, right on the homepage on the right, you'll see the image of the book, and under it, under two links, one to read the book, the other to uh uh, to buy it if you click read this book it'll take you to a page with uh where you can download the pdf wonderful or just open up and read it or you can there's an email sized version that you can actually attach to an email sent to all your friends wonderful great christmas gifts and absolutely free
1: all right well let's get let's get into the book here and i'm just looking at some of the subheads it's fascinating uh, i my mind uh Went to a section in chapter three. You've got the homosexual war against the American church, and I see this happening more and more. One of your segments is titled Church Neutralization Tactic to Directly Compete for Moral Authority. And the thing I've noticed more and more in the last, I would say, five to ten years, Scott, is the appropriation of moral and religious terminology in the push for so called gay rights. Explain why that's happening and how they're doing it.
2: Well, um, they laid this out in the, in the 1987 article titled The Overhauling of Straight America, and they said exactly what they were going to do, uh, and that's basically to use liberal churches to sort of counteract conservative churches. And uh, they've gone further than that since then. They've created entire gay denominations, and this whole heresy called gay theology uh, has even been appropriated by some uh, formerly Christian denominations. And uh, so, really, I'd say at this point that uh, that they have almost won in the in the church world. Is the emergent church movement is the example of just how far uh, they have been able to corrupt the thinking of evangelicals. Yeah, no. you know, people you know going to the gay pride parades, holding up signs to say we apologize, uh, and, uh, and which you know, what, how do they if they're apologizing to homosexuals for having insulted them by saying that what they do is wrong? And and how is that not an insult to to the God who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah uh, for for what they were doing?
1: Exactly. And and I think you're referring to Andrew Marin, who's got something called the Marin Foundation. He is a self-styled minister to the gay community in Chicago, in Boys Town. He lives down there. He works down there and. I think Andrew is well-intentioned, but he goes out to gay pride parades, which are huge in Chicago, Scott. I've been to a few of sure. them. And he goes out with a sign that says, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I used to be a Bible-banging bigot. And uh, you're exactly right. I mean, let's just substitute another sexual sin in there. Let's say that there's a uh, there, there's an adultery parade for people who proudly practice adultery. They've... Uh, They've messed around in their wives. They they're going out. They're they're uniting together. They've discovered they have common cause and in uh, their promiscuity. And they they're having a parade. Can you imagine Christians going out and saying, "We apologize for opposing your celebration of adultery"?
2: Well, it's it's just simply it's the success of the sort of Marxist theme of constant pressure and the two steps forward, one step back, Marxist dialectic that uh, they've been pushing for decades, and that the Church, because it hasn't stood firm on uh, on biblical truth, has simply been compromised. It's, it's very much like what happened on the creation evolution issue, where now we have, we have so many Christians who basically went into to public universities to get their education, and were confronted with this non-stop, unified uh, presentation of evolution as the truth and then over time in order to, to try to reconcile the two they've created a compromise called theistic evolution uh, or other other versions of this and it basically just attempts to have it both ways uh, to be able to say well God's God's right and and the humanists are right well it doesn't work that way right uh, let God be true and every man a liar uh, the, the scripture says and, uh, and this new e- example of capitulation of Christians to anti-biblical thinking is this uh, sort of encroachment of gay the theology into the church. It's, it's devastating.
1: It's uh, really uh, appalling, too. It's, uh, I mentioned Throckmorton. I believe we've talked about him further in this, in this interview. But, I mean, he seems dedicated to spreading the idea that homosexuals can't change. And it's yeah, such an odd—I think of 2 Corinthians 5.17, you are a new creation. And many people, Scott, have changed who, who have not gone through this whole reparative therapy. They've been born again. They've they've, they've right. left well, the lifestyle. It's an old life. They've left it.
2: Yeah, 1 Corinthians 6 gives a list saying that you know, homosexuals on the list that cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, the Scripture says, showing that not only uh, does, does the Scripture—does uh, the Church require this— this Christian doctrine require a transformation, but that the transformation is possible, does happen, has always happened, and that people who are, identified we would call ex-gays today were part of the earliest congregations.
1: Yeah, it's astonishing to see the, the cowardice and the collapse. I, I think of the, uh, who is it, uh, Rob Bell, which one of these emergent leaders said that, you know, let's take a hiatus from talking, even, you know, just talking about homosexuality and the, the naivete—I mean, the idea that the Christians would pull out of the discussion, while homosexual activists are talking more about homosexuality, not just not just that, but uh, you know, blasphemous concepts like homosexual is, so-called marriage. I mean, they're not stopping,
2: right? And I think this is this is goes to the heart of what the letter to Jude was about, and and which and in which it says contend earnestly for the faith. And now this, it's a it's an exhortation. Believers contend earnestly for the faith. For the faith, and I think that it's not by accident that the context that it's in includes the uh, the uh, revisitation of the of the destruction of Sodom and the ex- explanation that Sodom was destroyed because they went after strange flesh, and that this has been set forth for all people for all time as an example of what happens when you turn away from God. Now, th- this is this is what we're our responsibility is. We're we're, we're told to go into all the world to make disciples of every nation, baptizing them, and teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded. And that what Christ has commanded is the entire Bible, Mm -hmm. right? Jesus Christ is one with the Father. So that means that Jesus Christ is the one who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Jesus Christ is the one who inspired Josiah to break down the houses of the sodomites, for which Josiah is identified as the most righteous of all the kings. Jesus Christ is the one who inspired Paul to write Romans one eighteen through thirty two, and that First Corinthians six passage. Right, so that's one of the of the things that you hear out of these people's mouths is that Jesus never said uh, anything against homosexuality. Well, that's just simply uh, a ridiculous. Uh, assertion in light of who Christ is.
1: Yeah, and that's a common one. That's one you hear, and of course, that one and the polyester one. But deal with that one first, Scott. Jesus, you know, I mean, Jesus toughened the law on sexual sin. He, a man cannot look lustfully, at a, a married man cannot look lustfully at another woman without committing what Jesus said was adultery. How yes. preposterous is it that he would be lax on what was deemed at the time a, a sin that was just uh, 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 beyond the pale.
2: Well, and and unlike, unlike many of the other sins that we also identified as very tough uh, uh, and, and dealt with quite harshly by God, this is a, a sin that was condemned before the Mosaic Law, in the Mosaic Law, throughout all of the Old Testament, re- reaffirmed, the condemnation of it was reaffirmed in the New Testament repeatedly. And it's identified in Revelation as somehow being associated with the end times, uh, in that uh, in that the Jerusalem is identified at the very end as myst- being mystically called uh, the city that is mystically called uh, Sodom and Egypt. Uh, so this is uh, this is not something that uh, we can treat lightly. It's it's not a uh, uh, not something that we can uh, take a hiatus from talking about. Uh, this is the issue that confronts the church of our age, the same as slavery was the issue that confronted Christians at the time of the abolitionist movement, uh, and uh, the same as uh, standing up for the principles of the Reformation at the time of Luther.
1: Now, Scott, two minutes left. Can you tell me? I mean, think back to when you first started on this issue. Did you could you foresee that things would fall apart uh, as fast as they have? I mean, yes. have, what, did you see this coming, or or, or no, I, not? I, I
2: was, I, I believed that it was possible for, to turn things around. But you know, the very first book I ever read uh, as a Christian was Francis Schaeffer's book, "How Should We Then Live," and uh, and that book is a is a uh, a survey of the rise and decline of Western civilization. And so I was already prepped uh, philosophically and theologically. For uh, to understand that you know we have been in a decline uh, for quite a number of years now. I think the the, the pinnacle of, of of American culture, American civilization, was probably just after World War II, you know, and that was the time actually that was the height of Christianity. We put that's when we put In God We Trust on the money, and and uh, and you know the the country was really it's it was its most secure, it was its its strongest, its most prosperous, and since then. Even though technology has continued to advance, you know the inertia of, of, uh, of the you know of the, the empire, uh, but uh, but the infrastructure has been disintegrating since that time, and it speeded much more rapidly through the 60s and 70s, and now we are in a in a post-Christian society uh, in which the rules are very rapidly being changed uh, by the people who have taken the power away from us, or really, or we've allowed to to take the seats of power because we abdicated our responsibility. And Now the Christians are a subculture, even though we're still a majority, we are a, a sort of politically a minority because Christians have this idea that they shouldn't be involved in politics. And, uh, and people who hate God and who hate what we believe are now sitting in all these seats of power making the rules.
1: And we're reaping the whirlwind right now, folks. We're talking to Scott Lively, who's the author of Redeeming the Rainbow, A Christian response to the gay agenda. We'll be right back.
0: Are you sick and tired of homosexuality and gay marriage being celebrated by the liberal media and popular culture? Do you worry about the radical gay agenda being pushed on young children in schools? Are you worried that the gay movement will destroy America's religious freedoms? And are you offended that Christians are called bigots and homophobes just because they agree with God that homosexual behavior is wrong? Americans for Truth About Homosexuality is a single-issue group devoted to exposing and fighting the gay agenda. They are not about hate, but love for God's truth. They are Christians, so instead of celebrating homosexuality, they lift up the many ex-gays who have left it behind and now lead godly lives through Christ. But Americans for Truth needs your help. The gay lobby has lots of money, power, and media support, but it lacks truth. Please help keep this show on the air and educate America about the dangerous goals of this anti-Christian movement. Make your gift online today at americansfortruth.com. That's americansfortruth.com.
1: Hello, folks. Uh, Welcome back to Americans for Truth Hour. We're talking to Scott Lively, who's our good friend, who's the uh, recipient of the Americans for Truth Truth Teller Award for 2011. Scott's been at this a long time, and he's got lots of wisdom to share uh, Scott, uh, to reiterate, uh, Redeeming the Rainbow is Scott's PDF book. You can also buy hardcover copies of the book at Defend the Family International. How much are those, Scott?
2: Uh, I forget what they are. I think they're 25 bucks.
1: Yeah, your paperback. But you can download a full copy on PDF right from your computer at defend the family uh, defendthefamily.com. Now, Scott, one quick question I wanted to uh, – you know, this the sellout church, uh, the Christians who've sort of abandoned a biblical worldview – what do you see do you see any hope uh, in terms of you know Christian colleges who profess a biblical charter they they claim to uphold the Word of God um, you know do, do you see hope in pressing them to stay loyal to the Bible on this issue or or, or, or do you think that's kind of a, a tough fight because the, they seem to be going just slower the way of the culture
2: well I I think this is a time when we're seeing the dividing of the sheep and the goats. Uh, you know, theologically, I'm I'm sort of a uh, I believe we're very close to the to the tribulation. Uh, you know, I know some people don't agree with that, but I think that's where we are. But uh, clearly, uh, we're in a time where uh, people are having to, to take a, a stand. The darkness is getting darker, therefore, those who are the light are shining brighter and. There's the, the, the gray area that people used to be able to hide in is disappearing. And you're going to have to make a choice as to whose side you're on. Are you on the side of Jesus Christ at a time when those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will and are suffering persecution? Or are you going to compromise and capitulate uh, to the, the demands of the secular culture and, and, uh, and turn away from what, what are increasingly interpreted as hard truths Scripture.
1: Whoever would have thought that opposition to homosexuality would become a hard truth?
2: I know. It's, <laughs> it's really bizarre. It's, it's And that's why I think this is really a spiritual phenomenon. And I pointed this out, I think, before on your show, but, uh, you know, 50 years ago, when I was three years old, uh, this was illegal over, you know, over the whole world. And in the space of just five decades, faster than Marxism, faster than, than uh, the Darwinism or Islam or any other world phenomenon... This homosexual movement has gone from being uh, criminalized to having now more power in the legislatures and courtrooms of the world than the Christian Church does, and that's not an exaggeration. Yeah. That, that has to be a spiritual phenomenon, and, that, and that's one of the, I think, is one of the indicators that, 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 you know, God's hand of judgment uh, is at work here, and a blessing is being withdrawn, and we're being allowed to suffer the consequences of turning away from Him.
1: And Scott, you know, it seems that uh, politics is limited in what it can do, and we we see uh, politics, uh, politicians, even in the Republican Party, are very reluctant to to tackle this issue.
2: That's true. I, I apologize for the ringing in the background. I'm I'm actually uh, visiting a friend in the hospital, and and uh, so the uh, uh, the room that I'm in has a has this telephone, but. Uh, yeah, I, the the point that uh, you just made about the politicians is really one of the the, the best examples of how bad things have got, uh, because there are no politicians in America that will actually stand up and say that they're opposed to homosexuality because it is morally wrong, that it itself, homosexuality itself, is morally wrong. Yeah. Uh, and the best you can get out of them, even the best of them, is that marriage should be between a, a man and a woman, uh, Hey, and that, that's, uh, that's a, a very dangerous place to be.
1: Yeah, I, I was struck by watching Michelle Bachman, and I know she's you know she's a, a strong defender, uh, would seem to be a strong defender of our values. And yet when she was confronted by Jay Leno on The Tonight Show, she was interviewed by him and he compared homosexuality to being left-handed, she st- she sat there silently. And then yeah. and then she ended up mouthing a few words about marriage between being between a man and a woman. It's, it's almost as if, you know, as things go slip further and further behind, our defense becomes more anemic and more anemic. And now, OK, now we can defend the, the marriage between a man and a woman, But you can't talk about homosexuality. It struck me that she didn't defend the position comparing yeah, and, homosexual behavior to left handedness. Come on.
2: Yeah. And but it shows just the degree of power that Exists now, and uh, there are just some things you can't say now in the political world, or that's you, how you will be defined forever. And
1: well, let's not say fact. you can't. They they choose not to. I believe you could. Right. Just yeah. like you, Reagan, you... Reagan talked about pro life effectively, I think they're they're just cowed. They're cowed into this silence.
2: Yeah, well, that's true. And and I I uh, I appreciate the correction on that. That is true. Uh, what, what we really need are champions yeah. who will tell the truth regardless of the consequences, right? That's what I try to do. That's yeah. what you try to do, except but we're small potatoes. You know, right. who cares who Scott Lively is? <laughs> they, t- they care who Michelle Bachman is yeah. because she's somebody running for president. And when she fails to articulate our arguments, and that's the, really the big problem is that the reason that we have been seeing a steady decline in the numbers of people that will stand up for the truth on this issue is because our side never hears the arguments.
0: Right. They yeah. just
2: don't know what to say when yeah. they're being presented. You know, they know what they feel inside. Right. They, know, they know what the Bible says, and even if they're, uh, even if they're willing to, to speak what the, what the Scripture says, they don't know any of the other ways of articulating it in secular terms. But that's what the, that's what redeeming the rainbow is. Is that textbook? Anybody who reads that—that's an—that's an advocate for our position, or that wants to be an advocate, will be fully equipped at the end of reading that book. You know, I have to go back over some of the sections a few times, but in terms of understanding how the the, the the rhetoric that the other sides use, how how to dismantle it, it simply and simplistically and and easily—all that's what the book is for. It's designed to equip our side to be able to articulate the pro-family position and to effectively oppose. The other side's
1: position. Scott, what lessons does the pro-life movement have for the movement against homosexuality? Uh, it seems that the, it's interesting that young people, polls show, are more pro-life and yet more pro-homosexual agenda, if you want to call it that, than ever before. How, how do you explain the difference and why is the life issue different? Because it is also obviously a moral issue. Why is it different from the, the gay issue?
2: Well, um, it's, it's different from the homosexual issue in a number of ways, but the one that I think is the most important is that uh, people who have abortions are basically victims of, of the sexual revolution, and uh, you know the, the, what we're fighting, or we're fighting abortion, is, is sort of the idea of killing babies. Mm-hmm. When we're dealing with homosexuality, you have people that the ones who are engaging in are the agents who are promoting it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, abortion-bound women aren't marching through the streets you know, declaring this is who I am, I'm an abortion-bound mother and and, uh, and I, I demand my rights. They're not doing that. In fact, the people who are in the streets promoting the pro-abortion position are lesbians for the most part, and male homosexuals, because they understand that abortion is a necessary linchpin uh, and foundation for the, uh, the social value that uh, people should be able to engage in sex without consequences, the so-called sexual freedom.
1: And it is uh, interesting that... Uh obviously you, you, there are many people who who march for abortion but it's interesting and fascinating actually to talk to people like Joe Scheidler uh the pro life uh warrior in Chicago who who's uh you know he testifies that homosexual activists often defended these abortion mills uh, the
2: cornerstone and, uh, of the of the of the uh the pro abortions street activists and i've done a mountain number of pro life uh protests and things. I've, that's how I got my start with, with the pro-life movement. Through my whole career, I've been involved in standing against the killing of babies. I've been to many of these clinics, and I tell you, the people that are on the other side, the majority of them are homosexuals. And, and in the early stages, I used to sort of wonder, why in the world would they be out there? It's not possible for them to have an unplanned pregnancy. It's not possible. Uh, and and then it eventually it dawned on me that, that they're there because they, they know what abortion really is. Abortion is the the, the the institution that allows the, the society to choose sexual freedom over family mm-hmm. and if, if abortion wasn't there if it was not legal then too, too many babies would be born for the society to be able to sustain that uh, that philosophy and that uh, you know that freedom that's really anarchy but they call it freedom and so now
1: anyway, Scott so that's uh, why
2: they're the ones out there defending it
1: Let's look on chapter five of your book, Redeeming the Rainbow, again available at defendthefamily.com. You have, and we've talked about homofascism. I, I said you could also call it homocommunism, and I think the gay activists uh, picked up on that because they monitor our shows, folks. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my point being that let's look at totalitarian history. Uh, how far, given that America has a strong First Amendment, how far do you expect it to get This this fascist, whatever you want to call it? Uh, this totalitarian push to say the only approved viewpoint is the pro-homosexual viewpoint. How far do you see it going as an attorney uh, as, and as a strategist with our strong First Amendment?
2: Well, I, I don't think we have a strong First Amendment anymore. Uh, in fact, the, the case that caused me to basically drop out of the practice of law was a free speech case in which we pitted the First Amendment against a anti-discrimination policy uh, that the city of Oakland had. And we lost that case. We got Judge Walker, uh, the the same one who struck down uh, Proposition Eight, and uh, he declared my client's interest to, to have a pro-family uh, uh, presentation at their workplace the same as the gays had, a vanishingly vanishingly small interest, and that was upheld by the Ninth Circuit. I actually got the, the privilege, really. Most attorneys never get a chance to do anything like this, and and I did it really as a, a very new uh, attorney. I had the chance to argue about this free speech case before a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit in a special session at Stanford University. It wasn't even at the regular uh, courtroom; they did it in, uh, in this uh, unusual location. Uh, and, and of course, they they upheld that position. So the First Amendment was defeated there, and it's defeated uh, regularly on college campuses today. And as soon as they reach the second step of hate crimes. You know, uh, process. Uh, then it will be stamped out for everyone, because that's what the whole point of hate crimes is. The first step is to get people used to the idea of some speech uh, against homosexuality being criminal by attaching it to a violent crime, and then the second step is to is to is for the speech itself to be uh, criminalized, whether or not it's attached to a. To, uh, some other crime.
1: Okay, we'll have to come right back, Scott. We're talking to Scott Lively. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Americans for Truth Hour, folks. And this is our final, the final of finals, <laughs> uh, to, to, uh, segment with Scott Lively of Defend the Family International. And we're so pleased to have had Scott this time. And we will be coming back to Scott because I think he has offers a lot of wisdom on this issue. Um Scott, uh, you were talking about hate speech, First Amendment. Do you see – okay, so, so basically I, I know you're sort of the pessimist these days. Maybe it's because you're so deep into this, uh, you know, and, and I and I agree with you, It's it, the, the times are dark. But do you see a case, for example, where the Supreme Court will say – I mean, sort of like the David Parker case, the Supreme Court will say, no, affirmation of uh, tolerance towards homosexuals is now – a, a a high principle in America that, that would even supersede people's freedom to speak out against homosexuality.
2: Well that's that's already that's already mostly there. That's what the Lawrence versus Texas case yeah. was in two thousand three.
1: Well I'm thinking like a Boy Scouts case in reverse. That was only a five to four decision where we won. Right. They came within one vote of saying the scouts would have to hire homosexual Scoutmasters. So that was uh a number of years ago. Um So,
2: you know, I I think that there's some there's some hopefulness in the fact that there's a uh, there's a large and growing movement of uh, toward conservatism in the country and whether it can actually grow fast enough to sort of stop the the, the downward trend is a a question. Uh, But uh, if it doesn't, surely we're, you know, we're not going to uh, see the kind of changes that you and I want.
1: Okay, well, we've only got seven minutes left. Give me your quick prediction on where this whole issue of so-called gay marriage is headed. Uh, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. How do you see it? If you were to make a prediction now, how do you see it coming out?
2: Well, uh, I really don't know which way it's going to go. And, and frankly, I don't know that it really makes any difference because it really doesn't matter uh, in, in terms of the state of the culture as to what um, uh, where where we stand on homosexual marriage. The bigger problems uh, in our society have nothing to do with whether homosexuals can, uh, can get state approval for their, um, their unions. Uh, the, the really, the bigger issue is whether homosexuality itself is going to allow, be allowed uh, to be promoted as a valid alternative lifestyle to our children, yes. who in turn are going to, to shape the culture tomorrow. Yes. Even if we had, even if we won the victory on gay marriage next month, for example, mm-hmm. some, a bizarre twist at the, at the Supreme Court uh, where they decided to take it on out of context or something, uh, it would just be a matter of time before the trend, if it continues or the direction it's going, where they just simply reverse it. Uh, so, you know, the problem is that there's no longer a biblical worldview being, being uh, defended and promoted in our society, and we're just sort of... You know, we're, we're attempting to stop. You know, we got, we're standing there with our finger in the dike and the dike is cracked in a thousand places. It's leaking in a thousand places. And we're just, you know, those, the few of us are there trying to stop the leak, but you can see the writing on the wall. Yeah. The the only chance really for, for uh, a reversal of of things and and just stopping it isn't enough because we've got to sustain so much damage. Yeah. Even if you stopped everything right now, we would, we would still have, uh, the consequences for this for, for generations to come. You actually would have to reverse the trend and start going backwards to the way things were in the 1950s to really be able to to, to recover. And and I just don't see that happening absent a genuine national revival uh, that, that we haven't seen since you know. Jonathan
1: Edwards. Yeah. And, and you're, and you put your finger on the problem with the marriage only strategy. And I'm talking the strategy that says, look, don't talk about homosexuality, talk about marriage because the young people are heavily propagandized in this issue. And many of the best young people, the ones raised in Christian homes have a moral foundation. They are very timid. If they speak at all on this issue, they are, they are not equipped because they are bombarded by the culture. Uh, what does Scott Lively do there in Springfield, Massachusetts, to educate young people on, on this issue?
2: Well, I haven't I haven't done anything on that issue in, in Springfield. One of the reasons that we've been able to achieve the progress that we have in re-Christianizing the city is I haven't addressed the issue here in
1: Springfield. Mm-hmm. I've fought it everywhere else. Well, I guess I should say, what's your hope in a, in a culture that is uh, inundated with these people? These, these Basically, a pro perversion message because homosexuality is a perversion. Uh, you know, what's the best? What's the starting point for say? Let's just start with Christian youth, the ones who come from uh, biblically found, uh, a biblical foundation. What's the best approach to get them start to take action?
2: Well, I think that just the, the, the simple fundamental truth about the nature of human beings, and, and that is both uh, a religious and a, a secular uh, argument. They're in agreement, you know, Aristotle. Uh, you know, taught what's called teleology—that that everything has a purpose, and you can tell what the purpose is from the 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 way that uh, that it's designed and how it functions. And uh, you can take that—I take that approach when I talk with college uh, students, high school students, and they understand it in that point. That and I and I sort of segue in with environmentalism, and I if you understand the principles of biodiversity and. And, uh, ecosystems and the interdependence of species, then you can understand the pro-family position on the homosexual issue because really what we're talking about is the natural family being the human ecosystem. Uh, and that, uh, and that if you mess with that, it's just as damaging to, to humanity as cutting down half the trees in the rainforest or pouring poison in the tide pool. And, and they get that when you talk about it in those kind of terms.
1: Uh, yeah, that's so that's really that's, uh, that's hitting them where they live,
2: huh? <laughs> it is well, but it, 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 it's a simple truth, yeah. and both of those things are natural law. You know, most people don't know that the core of environmental uh, thinking is is natural law philosophy, and and so is the the teaching on on some pro family teaching. It's 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 a natural law uh, perspective,
1: and so when that's you it. when you jump in. With the idea, and it's just absurd, but it's, I mean, they say it with a straight face that a child, uh, it doesn't matter, A child, it, the, the sexes are interchangeable. And, and when they talk about two men having a family as if they could somehow procreate themselves, I mean, this is a radical, this is the most radical departure from the natural family. And yet it's being, it's being sold as just a common sense. And if you would disagree, you're just some sort of, you know, uh, cave dwelling bigot. Two minutes, Scott. Uh,
2: yes, well, uh, I think that the final point, really, that I wanted to make is that uh, you know, those of us who have an ability to articulate these things need to be doing it more aggressively, more assertively, uh, more frequently, so that the people around us uh, understand that we're, we are not bigots, that we are presenting a, something that's an essential truth for the survival of humanity. That uh, we, if we turn away from this idea that God created us as complementary halves of one all, and we sort of go into this this uh, fantasy that's being presented uh, uh, that of sexual anarchy as as a social value. If we go the, the, to the the full extent of what that uh, what that means, uh, then we're just going to reap more and more chaos. And uh, so, uh, we should speak about the order. That God has created the order that's recognized by secular people in uh, in the the environment that we live in, and that uh, and I think that's the strongest uh, position that we have. It's completely backed by Scripture, uh, but we can articulate it in a way that they can understand it uh, in in with simple logic.
1: And we don't really want to live in a culture that's turned upside down, morally speaking. I mean, it's 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 already showing what they're already showing the disregard for faith and religion and the very uh, values that made our nation great. Uh, It's only going to get worse if that strengthens in society. If that force strengthens,
2: that's true. You know, we've seen this happen before, Uh, and we're not the first civilization on the face of the earth. Uh, There have been at least twenty or more that have uh, come before us. None of them has ever survived uh, the. um, Disintegration of the, of the moral foundations, especially regarding sexual morality. None well, of them. Well, let's end it We're there, not Scott. That
1: either. And well, thank you very much, and thanks for being our guest. We appreciate you so much, and God bless you. God bless you, Peter. Okay, and you can get Scott's book, Redeeming the Rainbow, def- at defendthefamily.com. You can hear the rest of this interview at Americansfortruth.org. God bless you. See you next week.
0: This was the Americans for Truth Hour with your host, Peter LaBarbera. Tune in Saturdays at 11 p.m. to hear compelling interviews with everyday heroes on the front lines of the culture war, people who put faith and truth above the lies of political correctness. Stay informed and engaged on the issues of life, marriage, and the God-ordained family. Please stand with them as they work to make America, in the words of President Ronald Reagan, a shining city on the hill. And once again, one nation under God. The Americans for Truth Hour, Saturdays at 11 p.m. on AM 1160.